a, a great breeder, a good breeder, a responsible breeder doesn't produce a whole litter of show quality dogs, right? So they're good temperaments, but they're maybe yeah, not no. exactly perfect, right? And frankly, no dog is exactly perfect. So it's really a great place to go if, if you yeah. want to want a good quality, you know, predictable purebred dog mm-hmm. and not actually not even be interested in showing them. Do, do you find like when you go to the show, do you, do the breeds sort of stick together? Is it sort of like cliques at a high school, like a <laughs> playground? Is it sort of like, oh, sorry, uh, only Tibetans over here, please. <laughs> Welcome to Let's Boop Snoots. My name's Heidi. And my name is Vero. And have we got a treat for you today. (laughs) We have a special guest today. Her name is Catherine Ray. She raises Tibetan Mastiffs. She also has an alpaca farm, uh, which is how she got started with um, having Tibetan Mastiffs. So today she's on our podcast. We're going to talk about her dogs She's just been to the Westminster Kennel Club show, so we're going to talk about that and about dog confirmation and a whole lot more. Yeah. So welcome, Catherine. Yes, welcome, Catherine. Hi, you guys. How's it going? It's going awesome. Good. So uh, Catherine reached out to us uh, after hearing our our show on talking about uh, competing dogs and talking about the National Dog Show and all those types of things. But she has firsthand experience in it and uh, reached out to our show, which we are very grateful for. And um, as Vero said, she just competed just last week at the Westminster Show. So we've got lots of questions. We've got lots of clarifications on how these competitions work and the groupings and the classes and that sort of thing. And... um, we're so happy to have you, Catherine. So thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you for answering my email. Yes, I uh, I was. Uh, <laughs> <all right. laughs> so we're dying to know what ha- what happened last week. Yes, I, I want I want to hear about your experience and how the show went. Um, so Raman and I drove um, from Colorado, where we live, out to New York to do the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. It was our first very first time taking a trip that far and attending um, such a prestigious show. Um, and so Raman, um, he was awarded and uh, given the award of merit, which is um, essentially third place for boy dogs. Yay! Um, the award of merit is, yes. <laughs> so the award of merit is discretionary. <laughs> um, um, so normally it's uh, best in show or sorry, best of breed, best opposite, uh, select and select, and then the award of merit is up to the judge, up to the judge as to whether or not they give that. So, so we feel honored to have received that level of recognition. Absolutely. And then we drove home. So, <laughs> well, that sounds amazing. Um, we're so happy that you got that award of merit. Um, another question that we had was, how did how did you start in competing? How did where did it all begin? <laughs> <laughs> It began with a seed planted, actually. I um, So we got the Tibetan Mastiffs, um, gosh, probably about uh, on the order of about 12, 11 or 12 years ago, we got our first Tibetan Mastiffs. And uh, the breeder that we got our first dogs from was sort of trying to encourage me to show. And I wasn't really interested in showing, but I thought we might want to breed dogs. So I wanted a breeding quality, working quality dog, um, but not necessarily a show quality. So so she planted the seed and we went and saw her show a couple of times and 
just sort of interesting, but they didn't really say much about what was going on. So it wasn't, so it was completely confused. And I don't know, we went on our happy little way and she didn't push too hard. And then the second breeder that we worked with, um, he basically was like, well, maybe you just show Gunner at some of the local shows. And so I was like, <laughs> how many are there? Like three? Like, sure. Why not? I'll give it a shot. And then I found out there's like a dozen local shows, you know, and then of course there's basically a show every weekend. If you want to actually show dogs every weekend in the U S you can. And mm-hmm. so, um, Gunner was the first male dog that we got from, uh, uh, my breed mentor, Charlie. And so he was very sweet about it. And I decided to go and had fun at the class. And, and the very first time that I had Gunner in the show ring at exactly six months old, he went and won a major. So he won a three point major. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm so good at this. I'm amazing. And then I was like, we're going to go to Westminster. <laughs> <laughs> exactly we're so good i'm amazing we're gonna go to westminster and um and so his his breeder charlie was like well cool your jets maybe just a little bit you know he's only six months old it's your first show and of course on the next day of the weekend six months and exactly one day old gunner when it was his turn went belly up and refused to do anything until the judge rubbed his belly and of course we got last place that day. So, so then I was like, well, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. And <laughs> it's pretty entertaining, but you know, and then, um, yeah. Um, I think we asked this before when we were having our discussions too, is, um, so there are classes available. So if somebody's interested in like, I think I'm going to go and compete my dog. Like you reach out to like some of the local like, yeah. uh, clubs and stuff for, for your breed in particular. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you can get confirmation classes um, in a couple of different ways. Um, so some like breed clubs will offer classes or drop in classes. Um, some companies like the do doggy daycare or like puppy kindergarten or those kinds of things. Obedience training will also offer confirmation classes. Um, sometimes they offer a course. So you sign up for the course and take like a weekly class over, say, six to eight weeks or something like that. Or others do just a drop-in class, which is what we do. So we've got a class up here in Port Collins um, that we attend a drop-in class on Wednesday nights. And um, and basically anybody can go. So, you know, however experienced you are, however old your dog is, as long as you're fully vaccinated, you know, or mm-hmm. on that road. And okay. um, you can just show up and pay your $15 and get in line and get some help. And uh, yeah, actually, when I was like really new and I... I was just talking about this last night with a friend of ours and uh, there was a professional handler who um, handles wine writers, uh-huh. by the way. <laughs> she was in the class behind me and we were talking about, so we were talking about Westminster was coming up and, and so I was kind of dreaming about it, but knew we weren't ready. And, and mm-hmm. so she had a young dog with her and, you know, and she was like, well, I think we're going to go. She doesn't have any majors yet, but we'll have it by then. And I was just like, wow, she's like so confident. You know, and then I discovered that she was, you know, this this really big deal oh. uh, professional handler and sporting professional dogs handler. And, you know, so she's in my class, which is really fun. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, so it depends on the class that you take. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you get this dog or puppy and you decide that you're gonna show your dog. You go to classes. Um, is there anything that you different do differently mm-hmm. at home? knowing that you want to show your dog and dog confirmation uh, shows? 
Oh, yeah, definitely. So I think you guys cover this a lot about the just training, the constant training um, for everything and, you know, paying the dog to do the things Mm -hmm. that you want to do. Tibetan Mastiffs are not motivated by making their people happy. Okay. Okay. And they're also not motivated usually by food. It was the perfect breed of dog. (laughs) Right. So. So you have to find what they're willing to work for. And so um, in Gunner, my first dog's case, it was, um, he actually liked stuffy, little stuffies and squeakies. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, he went and stole a stuffy in class from the Conocorso. (laughs) And I was like, dude, (laughs) that's pretty bold. (laughs) I was like, I was like, you shouldn't steal from a Conocorso, buddy. No, but, no, that's, you know. that's asking for trouble. <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, we're friends with that handler now. But, um, but yeah, I was, uh, so, you know, whatever they're willing to work for. And so our dogs generally really like freeze dried liver mm-hmm. um, and hearts, any of those of pretty much okay. anything um, and roasted chicken, especially. Yeah. Ramen, mm. who I took to Westminster, will become a drooly mess for roasted chicken, which is not <laughs> great because it's a bed mess. It's supposed to be a dry mouth dog. But, <laughs> but yeah, so whatever oh. they're willing to work for, mm-hmm. um, just to start encouraging that sort of that connection of what do you want me to do and helping them to kind of see the see the point of it. So, yeah, you know, um, on one yeah. level, showing dogs, it's like you're standing there, you're asking strangers to touch them. You go out and back in a straight line, you walk in a circle, kind of silly. Certainly from a Tibetan Mastiff's point of view, it's pretty silly. <laughs> um, you know, from a border collie or something, they might think it's the best thing in the world. But um, so getting them to kind of decide <laughs> yes. that it's worth doing is, is uh, you know, it's, it's a hard thing. So one of our confirmation coaches often says you can't get a dog to do something it doesn't want to do. So with Raman in particular, he loves showing. He loves being in the ring. He loves the clapping. Um, he'll probably want to show forever. Um, where Gunner, his father was like, "Nah, this is dumb. I don't want to do it anymore." So, so he doesn't. I don't make him do it if he, you know, if he doesn't. Want to. I I find that so interesting. Like, cause I know that there's like a bunch of different uh, dog breeds where, like, we we always assume that the way to train is with food or with treats and that sort of thing. And I've always had food motivated dogs, so I've never explored the other uh, forms of payment, uh, if you will, <laughs> with, yeah. with the dogs. But I know that I have a friend with the Great Pyrenees, and that it's the mm-hmm. same sort of issue. And so they think, yeah. oh well, he's un- untrainable, but he is. You just need to figure out w- that motivation and and right. and drive which um is a very uh, interesting uh area that i've been sort of exploring with gibbs i've been trying to anyways but um yeah so the tibetan mastiff and the great pyrenees are both livestock guardian dogs so that makes perfect sense right they're motivated mm-hmm. by keeping their property and their flock and their family safe and protected that's what matters to them you know where a border yeah. collie is just like throw the ball throw the ball throw the ball or you know um <laughs> you know or um, or like herd, 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 herd. Right, right is like, are you happy? Are you happy now? Can I make you more happy? You know, so. Uh. Yeah. And, and the Weimaraner is like, I will never leave your side. Right, exactly. 
your Velcro dog. Yeah. 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 Um, so my next question, um, I think we tried explaining it as best as we could on the show that we did about competition and stuff about the groupings and yeah. the way it sort of like works its way up to the best in show. Um, would you mind walking us through that a, a, a little bit more too, just to make sure we didn't sure. miss anything or... Yeah, so sure. So each show is is set up in a tournament style, which you guys covered, I think, pretty well. Um, so most shows are just one day in duration, um, where show weekends might be two or three days long. So um, over a show weekend, you might have three or four different shows to participate in. And so therefore, three or four best in show kind of awards. So most shows are like an all-breed show, like the Westminster Kennel Club is an all-breed show, the National Dog Show is an all-breed show, and the National Championship. Those are all all all-breed shows, which means all the breeds recognized by AKC are el- eligible to participate as long as they're at least six months old and registered with the AKC and that their breed is recognized. Um, so it begins at the breed level. Um, so all the, you know, all the golden retrievers all the Weimariners, all the Tibetan Mastiffs compete against each other for best of breed. Um, and that's all set up, organized by classes. So basically you can think of the whole show as a series of classes. Um, so it begins with the puppies, six to nine months, nine to 12 months, uh, 12 to 18 months, spread by exhibitor. There's uh, American bred, there's open. So basically if you don't really fit in any other class or happen to be older than 18 months, there's open. Um, There might be a couple other, excuse me, regular classes there. And so then those are organized by gender. So the boys compete against the boys and the girls compete against the girls. First in each class then competes for winner's dog or winner's bitch. Um, And then whichever one is the first out of all those first places, then goes on to the best of breed class um, to compete with the champion dogs or the special dogs. So we talk about class dogs and we talk about special dogs. And so class dogs are dogs without a title. Usually they're younger, not always. Um, And then the special dogs have at least a champion title, um, can go on with a grand champion title or go on beyond that. So all the special dogs, so the the winner boy dog and the winner girl dog, compete for Mm -hmm. best of breed. And there they're all competing on level footing. And so... Pretty much everything is gender specific except for best of breed. Um, the judge will go mm-hmm. through, basically mm-hmm. go through that class, choose their best of breed. Um, then they choose the best opposite. So that's the opposite sex to the sex of the best of breed. So as I think you guys explained this well. So if the best of breed is a bitch, the best opposite is going to be a dog or vice versa. And then second place for each is a select dog and a select bitch. Um, so that's second place to the best of breed and best opposite. And then in between that, actually, they offer the best of winners. So that's the best between the winner's dog and the winner's bitch. Um, The best of the winner's dog or winner's bitch could be selected as best of breed or best opposite or any of the other things as well. Um, And then points are given at all of those levels. So winner's dog, winner's bitch receive points based on the gender. Best of winners would receive points if, say, if the best of winners is a dog um, but the bitches had more points than the best of winners would get the points, the crossover points. I don't know if that quite makes sense. But so let's say there's two points for dogs and three points yeah. for bitches. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the dog wins best of winners. Then instead of the two points, the dog gets the three gets three points. So the best of winners. Oh, OK. Yeah. 
Yep. And then, yeah. um, and then the points are assigned. And sorry, go ahead. No, that, no, no problem. I remember like asking before, and I hope I'm not taking us too far off topic here, but we were talking about who decides on what makes like the characteristics of a best in a particular breed. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and you were saying, and you were saying it's the different breed organizations, right? Like they Correct. have like yeah. a, a decided upon like standard for that breed. And then Correct. the judge uh, judges accordingly with, with those things. Cause I always wondered yeah. like who, who knows like who what the, you know, yeah. pr the premium like size of a brisket on a Weimaraner <laughs> <Right>. is. <like. laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. And so the, the breed judges, in order to be recognized by AKC, you have to have so many dogs registered um, and you have to have a breed club and that breed club owns the standard. So, um, mm -hmm. so for us, it's the American Tibetan Mastiff Association. Um, they own the uh, Tibetan Mastiff standard for the United States. And so I think... I was looking at it earlier. I think that was approved back in 2012 or something. The Tibetan Mastiff was um, entered into the AKC back in 2007 or so. And so it gets updated mm -hmm. occasionally. You'll also see like the rules, I think, are a little bit different in Canada because there's a recognized breed standard for Tibetan Mastiff in Canada, but there isn't a recognized breed club mm -hmm. in Canada. So I don't exactly know how things work for, for the CKC. Yeah. Um, but you could look at... yeah. Yeah. So, but you can look at the Weimaraner standard in Canada versus the U.S. and they're probably similar, but they may not be exactly the same. Do you know of people who are like interested in competing that go around like shopping for like a perfect dog and hopes to win a, a competition? Does, does that happen? Sure. It absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah, actually, when yeah. so in Raman's litter, we talked to somebody and he was like, well, can you, you know, can you guarantee that our dog will win the show? And I was like, you know, it's seven <laughs> weeks, you'll get it at nine weeks at the earliest, you know, I'm, I'll sell you a prospect. Wow. And, you know, and at the time, yeah. the number, the number one Tibetan Mastiff had never won a best in show. So I was like, no, I can't guarantee you that. And, you know, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so definitely people, people That's go to, you know, certain breeders or, um, you know, look for certain characteristics and definitely we'll start with that end goal in mind. Yeah. Um, just to get back to the points, I have a question about that. Now to mm -hmm. become a champion, you need 15 yeah. points and then yes. to become a grand champion, you need 25 Correct. Now there's all these different levels of grand champion where there's like bronze, silver, gold, and platinum, which is like 800 plus points. Right. How, how long does it take <laughs> to get to a grand champion <laughs> platinum level? I don't know. I don't have one of those. Um... <laughs> have you ever seen Yet. one? Yet. 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 Sure. Not yet. 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 Exactly. <laughs> yet. Um... Have you ever seen one? I'm sure I have. Um, I can't think of any one off the top. The Tibetan Mastiff that won Best of Breed at Westminster is a, I actually don't know exactly. He's not, he's a multiple level grand champion, but I don't remember how high up he is. Okay. Yeah. So it depends on. So that's a lot of dog shows. It's a lot of dog shows. And so, yeah. So it depends on how often are you showing? How much competition do you actually have? And then, you know, how well are you doing with the frequency that you're out there? And is there, <laughs> it kind of got me thinking, like, <laughs> is there an age limit? Because like to get to 800 plus points, you showing like your, 
13 year old no. 13 year old <laughs> you can you can there's no li- there's no time okay. limit at all yeah you absolutely can Aww. um so they have they have two specialty classes called um veterans and so it's like seven years or older and sometimes i think it's 12 years or older and that's sort of up to the clubs um as to whether or not they have a veteran class but yeah i mean sometimes veterans win the whole thing so yeah you wow. can show i mean wow. you can show it the only limit is they have to be at least six months old, but you can show them as long as as long as they want to, as long as they you know are good representation as of the standard. As long as they're willing, yeah, yeah, as long, yeah. Um, my question was from, and my husband and I were talking about this because they're all very, they're they're all very. Ex- my family's very excited that I'm uh, uh, talking to a Westminster uh, <laughs> competitor. <laughs> it is very exciting, um, but is is there like a cash prize associated with winning different levels or anything? Like, are people in this like? Is there like a financial motivation, or is it literally just the passion of like competing dogs and 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 being in that arena? It's bragging rights and competing and all that. I think there might be a small cash prize for Westminster. Some cases there's like awards, like dog food awards or things like that. But a lot of times it's, you know, just ribbons and maybe a trophy. But yeah, there's there's not a lot of money to be had as far as winning competitions. But the competition is really, confirmation is really about judging breeding stock. And so, um, you know, if a dog does well at Westminster, it's likely to have, you know, more opportunity as a stud or a dam as far as breeding goes. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we figured it was. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like um, it's like more of a bre- breeding opportunities for you and sort of Correct. like a good or, or prestigious like lineage so that <laughs> people yeah. want to come and buy the next uh, best in show dog from you. <laughs> well, exactly. And so, you know, I went to Westminster, which is, you know, a three days drive away from us. And so we actually got to see some dogs in person that we don't normally get to see. And, um, you know, aside from like Facebook or whatever. And so, you know, it's nice to see, you know, that some of the dogs are exactly what you expected or better than what you expected or, you know, and to get to talk to some of those breeders and, you know, say, hey, you know, maybe we do want to have a breed in the future or, you know, not or whatever. But um, it's nice to be able to sort of Mm -hmm. have that conversation um, as part of the whole event. And until Mm -hmm. until we did our dog confirmation episode. Um, Like when I got Ralph, I did some research and I saw that, you know, most of the, well, I think probably all of the dogs that the breeder that I got Ralph were all like CH and then their name. Mm -hmm. And like, I Mm -hmm. knew that was champion. I didn't really know what that meant. Um, I knew they were all like show dogs, but I didn't (laughs) quite know exactly what it meant. But now I do. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so buying, you know, buying a puppy from like a show breeder or a breeder who does show is, um, is really a wonderful thing, even if you don't want to show dogs. So, mm-hmm. um, because, um, you know, all the puppies get the same care, right? All the dogs get the same care. They've, they've yeah. had all the same health testing. You've got the same guarantee. And, you know, just like, um, I don't know if you guys have siblings. I think maybe, maybe you do. I don't remember from your calls, but let's, let's, you know, I have siblings. Mm-hmm. And so while we're the four of us are all from the same parents. Right? We don't have exactly the same confirmation, right? So our structure is a little bit different. Our attitude's <laughs> a little bit different, yeah. <laughs> right? And so, so you know, a, a, a great breeder, a good breeder, a responsible breeder doesn't produce a whole litter of show quality dogs, right? So they're good temperaments, but they're maybe yeah, not no. exactly perfect, right? And frankly, no dog is exactly perfect. 
So it's really a great place to go if if you yeah. want to want a good quality, you know, predictable purebred dog mm-hmm. and not actually not even be interested in showing them. Do you find like when you go to the show, do you, do the breeds sort of stick together? Is it sort of like cliques at a high school like uh, <laughs> playground? Is it sort of like, oh, sorry, uh, only Tibetans over here, please? <laughs> I- well, um, so I got a piece of advice early on that said your best friends in show dog showing are going to be outside of your breed. And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. Oh, okay. And it, but it's true, okay. actually, because because, you know, I mean, it's still a competition and there's still humans involved. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we take it more seriously than we right. should or, um, you know, I I probably annoy a lot of people because for me, I mean, you know, I've got a day job. We have a farm. Um, we have alpacas, you know, we have all the dogs. Dog showing is not the top of my list. It's something I enjoy doing. It's something I like to do well. Um, I'm definitely interested in seeing the other dogs and talking to the other breeders about stuff, but it's not the most important thing in my life or my world. And even as much as Raman enjoys it, it's not the most important thing in his world either. Um, and so maybe I annoy some people in, in that regard, but um, I actually always joke that I'm that we're honorary conocorsos because we hang out with the conocorso people most of the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is I, I can't remember if I told you or not, but that's the exact like the next breed of dog that I would like to get. So I'll have to come uh, come t- speak to you again once I'm uh, conocorso shopping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Catherine. Yeah. At the end of the day on Sunday, I went mm. back to the website. And uh-huh. best in show showed up. Like the first thing I saw was mm-hmm. wasabi. <laughs> and I was not expecting to see that Puppies. breed as the best in show. <laughs> yeah. He's so, he's very cute. But yeah. I was expecting to see, I don't know, a, like a bigger dog, like a golden retriever or a German <laughs> shepherd or something like that. Or the like Samoyed with or the Samoyed that I guess yes. is the number one dog. Right, yeah. Yeah. I, so this, this tiny little hairy bug just like walking down <laughs> his hair just floofing in the air <laughs> I don't know much about I don't know much about them or, or Pekingese in general but I do know that that um that handler I believe is the breeder of that dog and they generally do pretty well so I think yeah he he must understand something really special about the breed standard on the Pekingese. But but yeah, it's not something I need to maybe I should read up on the Pekingese, but it's not something that I understand. So I haven't spent any time reading yeah. the Pekingese standard. He's, he's yeah. very cute. You could see his little paws like while he's walking, yeah. you could see his little paws <laughs> show up under all that fur. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I, I find it so interesting because not yeah. a lot of people like like not a lot of people know about the details and like the work and like all these things right. like the breed standards and like the the classes and the, yeah. this and everything. But when I went to work after the weekend and and people know that I have this dog podcast, they said, oh, did you see the Westminster and everybody's talking about wasabi and like, oh, did you see him? Did you see the Pekingese? Can you believe it? <laughs> and, you know, people are always curious to know which breed won won the show. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and it, it does vary from year to year. Like I can mm-hmm. remember it was like a Bichon Frise one, one year. I can remember one year, I think a, a while back, like, cause I'm again, like if the Westminster is never something I watched from like beginning to end, but uh-huh. like you would catch it on TV here and there and you can't help but watch. Cause it's just like beautiful dogs, like again, prancing around these arenas, like, and, um, right. 
you always wonder, like, I always wonder, like, who are these judges and what are they judging and what are they looking for exactly? Mm -hmm. So it was, I really enjoyed our show that talked about confirmation and what it is exactly that, that they're looking for. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's, it's, it's an important thing, right? So each dog is being judged against its standard. So it's individual standards. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're a group judge or a best in show judge, I mean, so there's 197 breeds recognized by the AKC. So the best in show judge has to be experienced in all of those breeds. And they don't know, Mm -hmm. they don't know who they're going to see until they, until the dogs come out. So the best in show judge, the last moment yeah, yeah. at Westminster, right? So at, at some of the other shows, like the smaller local shows, um, you know, it's possible to have the breed judge, group judge, best in show judge all be the same person at a smaller show. But at Westminster or the national championship, that judge is sequestered the whole day and they don't see any, they don't know who the oh, winners wow. are at all until they come into the ring. So, you know, imagine they have to be, you know, an expert on 197 breeds to own to judge seven. And so then they're trying to decide which of these seven dogs. Yeah. Which of these seven dogs is the most correct representation of their individual breed standard? That's I mean, it's it's an awesome responsibility. I think. I wonder, do you, do you have any idea what's required of them? Like, like, do they study, do you think before the show? Like, so that they like, like, again, do they look over? Do you think, I'm sure they have experience, like a lot of them um, from, I would imagine that they would be involved in like shows on many different levels leading Mm -hmm. up to Mm -hmm. that point in their lives. But I'm, I'm wondering if it's something like they study for months beforehand. Cause again, like you don't know which, which ones you're going to see, like at the end of the day. And do they, do they keep them sequestered so that they don't have, like bias like I, I find it interesting that they don't let them watch like the different class shows and stuff like that but it must yeah. be just so it's like fresh set of eyes and exactly yeah yeah so they have um so to be like to be a judge you have to have so many years experience in your original breed um and then you have to test mm-hmm. for that and then you have to spend a certain period of time judging them and then you add breeds um they add breeds along the way and there's some rules around, you know, how much time you have to do, have to spend and who those mentors can be and that sort of thing. And yeah. so I've done a little uh, breed mentoring for new judges, but, but not a lot. Uh, yeah. You know, and then they are, you know, showing or judging dog shows, you know, I don't know, depending on the judge, you know, every weekend, you know, once a month, whatever. Yeah. And then at, at the venue, they actually have all the breed standards there. So if the judge had a question, they could stop and go review the standard if, if they wanted to. So um, if for some reason. Oh, okay. You know. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't, I would expect, you know, at Westminster, I mean, those are pretty, pretty experienced um, and, you know, top flight judges, as they say. Yeah. And, um, but I mean, if they need to take, take a break and say, oh, what is it about the, you know, Pekingese that's so incredibly special? Um, that I, you know, just to make sure that say the Pekingese versus the um, Whippet, you know, what's the difference between the two of them, and you know, what's more important, they they could mm-hmm. they could stop and review that. I, I I wish I wish they almost did like a sort of like uh like b- behind the scenes like sort of like snippet afterwards and and mm-hmm. have them ex- explain, you know, like well when I measured yeah. this, like he was a bit uh yeah. this or too much that or whatever. I'd I'd almost want like a walkthrough, like a sort of docu series or something. I actually wish that the judges would do that. So they, um, in AKC, they don't really, I mean, you may have a conversation with the judge after, but they don't spend time explaining 
why they chose or placed dogs in the way that they did, like yeah. they do at livestock shows. So I don't know how things happen in Canada, but you know, here, if you go see a goat show, you know, and you're looking at a whole bunch of Boer goats and to me, they all look the same. Um, but once they place it, the judge actually calls and explains why they put them in the way that they do. And they do the same with the alpaca show. So I do wish the AKC did that. But in terms of Westminster, like, or even any of the dog shows, do you ever receive like any kind of feedback, like whatsoever? Um, I've received informal feedback. So when I've had the opportunity to speak with judges okay. after the fact, you know, they've told me things about what they liked or didn't like about my dog or, or had a question on the standard. Okay. I, you know, I've answered those things. Or one time Raman and I got a group placement and I was shocked. And so the lady next to me came out instead of me and the judge stopped it. And then she took me aside and said, if you're not sure, come out and make the judge clarify the decision. And I was like, okay, yes, ma'am. You know, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When Raman was a puppy, I had him in the group ring. He was, you know, seven, eight months old. So, you know, as my husband said, he was a boy amongst men in the group ring and uh, the judge actually stopped (laughs) us. (laughs) The judge actually stopped us on the way out and said, he's wonderful. Bring him back. Please keep bringing him back. He's going to be wonderful when he matures. And, you know, so, so we have, I don't think that's awesome. Yeah. I don't think we've seen her again, but hopefully soon we will. But yeah. So you showed Raman at the Westminster Mm -hmm. show. Uh, So you, I know you mentioned that there was different types of competitors where it's like the owner, that's Mm -hmm. the handler or it's a professional or you pay a handler. So was the Westminster show like an owner handler competition or can you decide for your own dog? You can decide for your own dog. Um, So at Westminster, they did have a junior handler competition, which are um, kids between about the age of 18, eight and 18, somewhere around there. Um, And so they actually get judged based on their handling skills, not the dog's not the dog structure or confirmation. Um, so there was a different track for juniors. Okay. Um, and then um, in the confirmation ring that I was in, um, uh, I'm a breeder owner handler for ramen. Um, we had most of the handlers were professional handlers. And uh, there was another, um, I don't know if she's, she's the breeder. She is a breeder, but I don't know if she was the breeder of the dog that she was handling, but another owner handler was in there as well. Um, so yeah, at, Westminster or any AKC show, you know, any, any sort of level of handler can be in the ring. Um, there are tracks of competition. So say um, they didn't do uh, at West- Westminster, they did not do the national owner handle series, uh, but they do do that at a lot of shows. So our next show will probably be in Greeley, which is about a half hour East of us. Um, it's a big show here in Colorado and um, they have a whole track for, national owner handled series. So only non-professional owner handled owners can handle their dog in that whole track. Okay. And then they also have a bred by exhibitor series. So only breeder owners um, can enter in that track. Professional handlers are allowed if if they're the breeder and owner of record of the dog. They also, I think one day have a veteran veteran track. So they'll have a best veteran in show as well. So, so yeah, so those are, those those paths are chosen in the regular confirmation ring, like what you saw at Westminster. Uh, but then they would also, after they do the 
you know, best of breed and all those, then they'll also say, here's the best owner handled dog. Here's the best bred by exhibitor dog, um, best veteran or whatever. And then you get a ribbon for that. And then you can go on to the respective groups. So okay. owner handled working group or whatever. Yeah. Are, is it nerve wracking, Catherine? Like, were you, are you nervous every time you go into the ring? Is it like a performance? Like, and you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I hope this goes well. I used to be. I used mm-hmm. to be very nervous and seriously <laughs> felt like I was going to throw up. And uh, <laughs> um, I was surprisingly not nervous for Westminster, but I definitely felt like a novice because, um, I mean, our, our last show was um, in February, right before the pandemic. So it'd been a year and a half or so. Oh, so, okay. So I definitely, I was like, whoa, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Although we had done lots of practicing and stuff. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, I used to get nervous well, a lot. Well, you looked like you knew what yeah. you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I was up. Yeah. I was up. I tried. I was in bed still at nine. <laughs> Good for you. You should sleep in on a I was Sunday. trying to yeah. pull it up on my phone. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to pull it up on my phone and it wouldn't work. And by the time I got up and got to my laptop, it said that it was over. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then it took forever for the, the video to show up on the website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they started. I don't know for sure. So either we started early or they started broadcasting late. I I. I I yeah. think they probably started broadcasting a little bit late, so that was a little bit of a bummer. But, but yeah, I was like, oh, oh I well, like I was late all too. of my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then I kept yeah. looking for the golden retriever one. Uh huh. Um, and it didn't show up until I think the next day. And then I oh, looked at it, and it, it was an hour yeah. long. An hour. Yeah, yeah. it was over there an were... hour for the golden <laughs> retrievers. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know we were like 10 minutes and yeah, well, there were like, excuse me, there were like 44 Tibet or sorry, 44 golden retrievers entered. That was the largest entry. Yeah. Wow. And so if you imagine that it's about two minutes per dog, um, I mean, it's almost an hour and a half if everybody was there. So, um, yeah, where for Tibetans, there were seven entered and six were present. And so we were done in, you know, 10, 12 minutes. So so we, we did an episode before on like sort of um, some of the rare breeds of dogs. And, and I think you listened in on that one because we did d- Tibetan Mastiffs. And I know. I was surprised. surprised to see that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do you see new breeds every year where you're just like, oh, my goodness, what is that? Like, because we yeah. haven't even t- touched, I think, like the, you know, the tip of the iceberg, like with with the different kinds, kinds yeah. of breeds out there. Yeah, so there's definitely new breeds every year. Um, they go through a, something called the FSS Foundation Stock Service, I believe. I don't exactly know how that works, but um, so but essentially, it's a, a breed is applied to be recognized by the AKC, and then they have to establish their breed club and the breed standard, and have so many um, registrations and stuff. So they will all the FSS will all compete together. And then um, mm-hmm. once then they're recognized, then of course they'll get their own. So this year, um, a new breed, uh, newly recognized breed is the Pressa Canario, which is a big white um, working dog with cropped ears. So similar in looking kind of like a pit bull, kind of like a Conocorso in appearance. That, so that was a new breed for working. There was a new herding, I think it's a herding breed, Barbet, Barbet, something like that. And I actually, we were walking around and they, 
we saw a group of them getting photos and I turned to my friend and I'm like, what's that? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we do see <laughs> It's a, you know, it was a big. I, I, I am looking at this Presa. Can, I'm looking I at the uh, Presa like Canario and it's, it is, it's, yeah, it, it looks like a brindled, like, um, sort of a bit smaller than a, than a Cane Corso kind of, eh? But yeah, with the cropped oh. ears and like, it's a, it's oh, a, yeah. it's a beefy looking dog. That's for sure. Yeah. I think it's a white, Holy isn't smokes. it a white dog? I don't, maybe I have the name wrong. It looks well, when uh, yeah well when i typed it when i google image presa uh, canario it's it's mostly brindled ones that are coming up but maybe it's like uh um, like oh, maybe a, there's a, maybe multiple there was colors a white one for the show yeah oh my goodness i would that's... also not steal a squeaky toy oh, from oh, that oh. dog actually, <laughs> actually i think i'm wrong it's dogo argentinio that's actually the new one oh, the one i'm yes, thinking of yes, is dogo yes, argentinio yes. yeah yes i I'm, I'm familiar with it with those guys yeah, yeah. they're they're the yeah all white um yes. very like like yeah. Oh, yeah i think they call them like ghost face or something like that like um, i don't know they they look like really kind of serious dogs but i have to say we, we passed a group of them when we were at the show and they just seemed like really happy you know relaxed they were happy and relaxed are they and, like boxers i don't know i don't know much about them yeah they they, they look like um they look like um what do you call it when you have like no pigment in your skin? An albino, uh, like an albino, albino kind of corso. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I just, I wanted to talk about just practice. So, you know, we did yes. lots and lots of practice mm -hmm. and training. And I know you guys talk about that a lot, which I totally appreciate. Dog owners need to understand how much training is involved in having a well-behaved, well-mannered dog and whether or not you're competing in confirmation or agility or obedience or whatever you know, dogs with manners is nice for, for people, especially people who aren't crazy about dogs. So, um, so yeah, so we practice, so we go to our regular confirmation class on Wednesday nights and then we practice different scenarios. So we went to a different class, um, to practice on AstroTurf, which is a funky, you know, funky surface. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we practiced in a, in a big outbuilding that had soft dirt floor. Um, we've practiced on grass, indoor, outdoor, practice with different judges by shape, size, you know, gender, all those things are, you know, just really important. I think, um, you know, for me, I didn't want it there. I wanted there to be as few surprises as possible. So in the event that we had mm -hmm. were to win best of breed. So I think you guys saw the breed, breed judging was outside on grass and the group judging was inside on AstroTurf yes. floor with lots of cameras and lights and crowds and stuff. And so that, so while I couldn't practice with all kinds of cameras, right, I wanted to make sure that we, at least the flooring wasn't yep. a surprise. Some shows, mm -hmm. like there's a show coming up later this year called Morris and Essex, which is kind of a fancy show that's every four years. Those dogs um, are judged, all dogs are judged on like a platform, which is something we would have to practice if we decided to go, because that's never, never happened for us. Um and then also just when I okay. start, you know, when, when their dogs are young, we go to the farmer's market and make sure that we, you know, see wheelchairs and skateboards and, um, you know, strollers and, you know, people in walkers and, you know, just yes. different sizes and shapes and, you know, head coverings and glasses and beards and all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. As much as you can expose them to as possible is really important. You know, mm -hmm. being able to potty on a leash is important. Yes, socialization. Mm-hmm. Being mm -hmm. able to ignore all the other dogs is really mm -hmm. important. That's like probably 
Even yes. if even if yes. you never want to show a dog, going to confirmation class or puppy kindergarten or whatever, just to learn to ignore the other dogs is a it's wonderful. It's a wonderful skill to have and definitely worth practicing. So you know, so we just you know we practice lots of things all the time. I th- and I think people don't understand that either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is, it's really difficult. And especially like, uh, as you said, at an, at an event like that, it's yeah. little things like that, that people forget about from the dog's perspective, because ultimately their senses are like way more like, uh, right. heightened than ours. Of course, there's, there's smells, there's surfaces, there's textures, there's people and stuff. And so, um, I, I was curious about that. Like, like d- does the Westminster have several different services or is it just the outdoor like grass and the indoor like AstroTurf? Yeah, so this event was, um, because it was at Lindhurst Castle, um, north of Manhattan, um, because of COVID, it was outside outdoors. Um, so we had the grass mm-hmm. and the AstroTurf. Normally, um, Westminster is at a couple of piers in New York City, and I'll get the numbers wrong, so I'll just leave those out. There's a particular pier that it goes to, mm-hmm. which so it's indoor in February, it's all AstroTurf on the inside. And then the groups are at Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. uh, which is also indoor, astroturf, everything. So, and then there normally, okay. normally it's a benched show, so the dog has to sit the whole day, stay there for the crowds to come and learn about the dogs and stuff. So, um, so that was not the case here. It was show and go, they called it. So, which is pretty typical of most shows. Okay. As you go, you go to your, your event, you hang around if you want to, or you go home if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were encouraging show, show and go, but they weren't kicking anybody off the property. So, you know, so we, you know, we did, okay. we did our event. We knew we weren't going to the groups. We took a little nap in the car and then we went back and explored the grounds around the castle and, you know, took some photos and watched some other breeds. And, you know, then we left a few hours later. Yeah. So what else? I don't so know. So will you go back again? I think so. It was really fun. It was really, really fun. Great. Yeah. I don't know. Next, the next Westminster is in January, um, and I'm not entirely sure why, but um, I think it has to do with maintenance at the at the breed venue. But but yeah, so the next one's in January, and qualification is by October, I think. Oh, so that's actually something well, that's we soon. should talk about. So some shows, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so some shows require a qualification <laughs> to enter or an invitation to enter, and uh, but most of them you can just go as long as you meet those requirements. But like Westminster, you have to have qualified by at least having a championship um, by a certain date or, um, and then at Westminster, the top five of each breed are invited and then others apply to attend. But like, if you were doing like a breed specialty, um, a friend of ours is uh, going to a Cairn Terrier specialty that's actually going to be out here in Greeley and the top 20 dogs um, are invited. So her dogs got invited to that. And so only the top 20 Cairns are actually in that particular show. And it's, so that's by invitation only. So. All right. Well, is there, is there anything else you, you would like to, to make mention of, of dog showing or confirmation or any of your area of expertise? Um, Yes, you should go. And once, once COVID's over, um, before COVID, so before COVID shows were open to the public, you could just go, some you have to buy tickets like Westminster, or whatever you have to buy a ticket to attend, but most of them are free. So just go, you know, um, yeah. you can talk to would the breeders. To. Yeah. And so post COVID, I would expect that to return. And then, you know, shows have lots of other things too, like agility or fast cat or mm-hmm. dock diving or, 
you know, meet the breed events or whatever, you know, it's a great, in my opinion, a really wonderful way to spend a day, even if you don't have a dog in church. I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spend the day the surrounded choir. by dogs. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, does that wrap up today's show? I think it does. Well, thank you again, Catherine, for joining us. And thank you for reaching out. And it's definitely been educational for both Vero and I, and hopefully for a lot of our listeners. And um, I can't wait to touch base with you and keep in contact about everything. And if, if I should start to, uh, you know, show my Kane Corso when I eventually get one, <laughs> I definitely know where to go and ask now. But course, uh, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you very much, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great time. So. No problem. Join us next week on Let's Let's Boop Boop Snoots. Boop. Boop.